0: Do you know what time it is? It's that time again with Cindy Gern, who has the latest news about employment trends, current opportunities, and innovative strategies for managing a career, on WERA 96.7 FM in Arlington, Virginia. Welcome to the Avocado Toast Career Show. My name is Brendan Freehart. I'm here with Charlie Thompson, a.k.a. R Charlie. Hello. <laughs> That's him. That's his voice. Um, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, me, I guess. But um, I've been a, I've been kind of a fanboy for a while now. It's hard for me to admit that, but um, <laughs> do you want to tell... I mean, let's just talk about the elephant in the room here. What are you famous for?
1: Uh, so I, I recently did a, a blog post about... Radiohead's most depressing song, and I used R to calculate that based on a combination of Spotify's audio characteristics, as well as the frequency of sad words in their lyrics.
0: I love this so much. Um, so, uh, I actually think I was I was following your blog before, but then I sort of saw that one just skyrocket. Oh, cool. I mean, it's obviously just um, the the premise is genius. Um, and as the listeners may or may not know, I I'm also an R uh, evangelist, um, and I I'm not a big I'm not like a big big Radiohead fan. What t- tell the people. How would it turn out?
1: (laughs) It ended up being that uh, actually the last song on their most recent album called True Love Waits was the saddest song. Yeah. Um, It's interesting too because that song has been around for like 20 years, but they never recorded it. So they finally did and it turned out to be their, their saddest.
0: I said I wouldn't put you on the spot, but have you seen, what's the movie where this one goes to 11. Uh, oh, most definitely. This is final tap. <laughs> this is final tap. Yeah. What it was the D minor was yeah. okay.
1: D minor is being the status chord. I actually started to do a little bit of research into that, but I haven't really like, I totally dove into it. Spo- yeah. Spoilers for yeah. your next yeah. <laughs> we'll see. If
0: was I'm that like, borne out what? by the data?
1: Yeah, we'll
0: see. No, I mean like in oh. in uh, <laughs> was there any keys? <laughs> Sorry to not ask that clearly. Oh, in um, in the Radiohead songs. Uh, so
1: there's. I haven't looked at it specifically, but there is uh, uh, Spotify does give you the key the song was in, and mm. you can kind of see if that correlates at all to the the sadness. Do
0: you and, happen to know how that's determined?
1: That, uh, the, which one the key? The key, the, yeah. The key? I'm not totally sure. Um, I don't know.
0: I've used Spotify's API a little bit, um, but I was I was using it in uh, Python. I think oh, it was uh, Spotify. Spotify. Yeah, yeah, that's a great great library. Yeah, it was. Um, I mean, I don't know Python, and I was able to do it, mm-hmm. so yeah, <laughs> it was reasonably good. Yeah. What? How do you? How do you actually like? What's the? Um, ETL is probably not the right word for this, but what's the ETL process?
1: So um, for the original post, I did it all just with Rvest and HTTR, mm. which are really good uh, packages for web scraping and connecting with HTTP to to APIs, and that's. And originally it was kind of a a multi-step process because there's a bunch of loops and iterations you have to do. So since I uh, wrapped all of those up into a package for R, similar to Spotify, but called Spotify R, um, where you can actually kind of skip that whole process and just say, I want all of the songs by Radiohead and just put in like a string of their name and it'll do all that looping
0: for you. Charlie can kind of see my, my face lit up a little <laughs> bit because I forgot that you wrote the equivalent of Spotify for the R, for the R uh, package. Um, I was just moving his mic. That was awkward. Awkward silence. Um, so what is it like being published on Crayon?
1: It was awesome. It was super cool. Uh, I was really intimidated, but the there's a lot of really good blog posts and kind of walkthroughs on how you can go through like getting something on Crayon. Um, cause I've written packages before, like for, for companies, like internal stuff. Um, but you just don't obviously publish that. Um, uh, but then there's a couple extra checks you need to get on Crayon, but they really aren't, aren't too difficult. And, uh, Hadley's R packages is a really good walkthrough, uh, the book he wrote about that.
0: Um, I'm going to back up a little bit cause I knew I was going to R like R geeking out a little bit. <laughs> so what is R? <laughs> Who is Hadley? What is Cran? Oh, yes, <laughs> <laughs> no, because I <laughs> I, I know all of it. this yeah. stuff. Uh, <laughs> so but. for sure,
1: uh, R is a statistical programming language, um, and then recently there have been kind of a group of packages to help kind of streamline the whole data analysis process that have kind of been combined into. The, what's called the Tidyverse, so a series of packages that work really well together and make it really easy to do common data manipulation tasks. And a majority of those packages were written by a guy named Hadley Wickham, who is kind of, like, now revered in the R community. I met
0: him one time. No way! Not a big oh, deal. That's so cool. Nice guy. <laughs> very very New zealand Yeah.
1: <laughs> was that one of the meetups here in D.C.? It was,
0: yeah, oh, cool. yeah. Um, not to brag, but... That's awesome. Yeah. Like, I like that I humble bragged. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, uh, let's back up. So, where do you work now?
1: I work for a tech company called Storyblocks. Um, we do stock media. So, like, if people are looking for short clips of, say, like a city skyline um, or a picture of, like, someone snowboarding or something, mm-hmm. they can come to one of our online libraries and download that if they're a subscriber. Yeah. So, on there, I'm, I'm on the data team, and we will handle anything from... Like data pipelines, so making sure that all of the events that happen on our website are tracked correctly and robustly, to actually analyzing that data. So trying to see how someone moves through our website can tell us something about how we might want to improve our search algorithm, for example.
0: Right. So it's like, um, it's not to not to put it too much in a box, but so your user metrics, user experience, would mm. that be a correct way to, to think of it?
1: Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Um, it's a lot of, like, user kind of flow through
0: okay. the website. A and B, A, so how, how do you say yep. it? A, B testing yeah, or A and B testing? A, B testing. Okay. Yeah, we do a ton of that. <laughs> um, and that's with your design? Like, so for the uh, for the audience who might not know, that that's where you sort of you show a green button versus a blue button and based on kind of a certain sample size, you predict which one is kind of more likely to push users through a flow that you expect.
1: Yep, yep, exactly. You kind of see how, if if the test variant did better than the control variant. Another way they, like, talk about it is just, is it a, it's kind of an online experiment. Yeah. show two versions of your website, see which one did better.
0: Yeah, yeah. The, the, I actually heard a Love & Radio or some podcast about, uh, uh, the social engineering that they that they started at Face Facebook actually got them it, pe- people kind of like to go against Facebook a lot, especially <laughs> these like days. <laughs> but like how how that sort of thing felt very creepy. Do you have any like code of ethics or something <laughs> for for I guess sounds like what you're doing is you're adjusting your information architecture. But yeah,
1: no, definitely. I think yeah, I think you got to be careful with. How you protect and use users' data? Yeah. Uh, typically, it's always on the aggregate. Right. Like no one is really going through and, and looking at individual search results. But um, you it will be helpful to see how, on a whole, searches is, is evolving over
0: time. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, let's back up a bit. So. Uh, where did you go to? So undergrad, you went to around where you grew up, right?
1: Yep, uh, I grew up in outside Seattle, Washington, and I went to school at Gonzaga University on the east side of the state.
0: Do you have them picked like already to win the uh, March Madness?
1: We'll see. They're doing really well. I think they're ranked number six right now. So really? We'll see, yeah, we made it to the finals last year, which was awesome. Yeah. Um, but we'll see how this year goes. That's awesome. I think they're going to do pretty well.
0: So what did you study there, Gonzaga? Eh, Gonzaga.
1: I studied economics and miter in Spanish.
0: Okay, uh, and then did you wind up using any of that Spanish?
1: Yeah, most definitely. Um, <laughs> yeah, I actually ended up going to grad school um, right after I finished Gonzaga in Barcelona, um, and then there the courses were in English, but I lived with a lot of Spanish friends, and just it, it was great to be able to kind of go around the country. Um,
0: wow, that's and, amazing. And kind of out, yeah. yeah, and. Uh, La Rambla, that's... Uh, yep, La yeah. was there. yep. <laughs> that's yep. Barcelona. Yep, exactly, um, yeah. And you studied economics there, correct?
1: Yeah, I studied um, mostly the focus on international uh, development economics there.
0: Cool. Mm. Well, like, so what were you doing uh, in graduate school there that kind of led you into data analytics? Was there something in between?
1: Yeah, there was a lot of econometrics uh, kind of coursework, and I was really lucky that even though my focus was initially on international development, the The leader of the course kind of said, "You can take classes outside of this if you'd like, kind of you know do whatever you want. So I, I started doing econometrics, um, experimental economics, and behavioral economics. and Ooh. found those three a really interesting kind of way to be able to analyze people's behavior in different ways and kind of answer questions that wouldn't typically be part of an economics course. So that, that was really fun. I promise
0: you we wouldn't talk about any macro. <laughs> but behavioral economics it's been in the news lately. Oh yeah? Yeah, the uh, the last Nobel Prize, I think in oh, econ yes, right. was a behavioral economist. Yep. So that's that's got you yeah, were yeah. you were ahead of the curve a little mm-hmm. bit there.
1: Yep. Um, yeah, that was that was super interesting to to learn about cuz there's just so many different applications and it's kind of more about like it was kind of bringing psychology into economics which typically had kind of a like critics would call it a stick figure view of the world, and right. behavioral economists were kind of trying to get away from that.
0: Right, where you have kind of rational actors. Exactly. Yeah,
1: and, and then behavioral economists said, "Wait a second, we are not rational beings." <laughs> right,
0: right, and um, yeah, one of my favorite one of my favorites is Tyler Cowen. He, uh, I think he is around here actually. Oh, cool! He's a big behavioral economist guy, and. Um, uh, he has his own podcast. It's not as interesting as this one. You, <laughs> you might be on it someday though. So <laughs> So uh, how's your Spanish still? Pretty good. Yeah. yeah, I
1: still try to keep it up. Um, I recently traveled to Colombia, which is really fun to kind of just go around and, and keep practicing. Um, yeah.
0: Um, so once you got out of college, where were you then?
1: Uh, so right after right after college I went or right after college I went to, to Spain for grad school. And Sorry, graduate right school. After, That's what I meant. Right. And then, uh, <laughs> right after grad school, I did an internship at a Spanish bank in the economics department. So there's kind of where I really had to, to practice my, get my Spanish to a much higher level. because right. Everything was in Spanish. So I was uh, was working in the economics department there and then focused a lot on statistics. Um, so specifically, I was looking at the, the Colombian housing market and trying to predict whether or not the fluctuations in price were constituting a bubble. So Mm -hmm. they were really out of whack with the long-term trend. And then after that was finished, I kind of started picking up R, taking the the Coursera course, um, which was great through Johns Hopkins. And then uh, fortunately, pretty soon after that, I was able to get a job at Booz Allen here in DC. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was there for about a
0: year and a half. Can I ask you a little bit about the Colombian uh, housing market? Sure. So, so what um, what technically did you use? We we talked a little <laughs> bit before this interview about about that, but uh, would you mind <laughs> elaborating? Yeah,
1: totally. So there was a technique called um, in econometrics called Dickey Fuller, which mm-hmm. is a way of just kind of looking at a time series. Um, in terms of like rolling aggregates, so kind of grouping previous periods together to see how the long-term trend is evolving, mm-hmm. and there was a group of people who were developing uh, a special version of that to specifically look for housing bubbles. So the idea is you'd take a big long time series and then see if the current period, given the previous fluctuations, is abnormal. So just kind of seeing if it's out of completely out of whack with with historically what you've seen
0: how'd your model do
1: it it did okay because I, I basically just found some paper and kind of copied they had applied it to the s p 500 and i said oh perfect all i need is a long time series which i had for Colombian housing prices right i was able to do it on that
0: it's kind of year of, year over year a little bit mm-hmm. yep, yeah exactly uh so you can see how much they were growing yeah. yeah yeah um so you come back here you're in dc for Bruce allen
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, that was great. Um, the cool thing about Booz Allen is that you kind of have the opportunity to interact with people from a bunch of different fields because it's a big company. So my main client was Department of Homeland Security, and mainly doing statistics for them. Nice. Um, but then at the same time, I was able to work with, um, we did a hackathon with the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, there was a project with NFL data trying to predict what the next play was likely to be really given like the flow and down of dis down and distance yeah it was super fun
0: is that what Belichick's been using it could be yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what did you get out of that
1: uh we just built a shiny app that um that a couple teams I think shared at uh the Sloan conference at MIT um and then other than that it was just kind of a really fun project to work on I'm yeah not sure how they're they have a whole sports analytics division at booze and I think they're they're trying to evolve that
0: further. We're using, uh, you're using R obviously pretty thoroughly now because you Shiny, can you explain what yep. that is?
1: So Shiny is a, basically just a web tool that kind of takes your R code and then makes it interactive. So if you have a function um, that you can run locally within R, if you wrap it in Shiny code, other people can then use that function and give it their own inputs and see it react in real time without right. having to know R themselves.
0: Or JavaScript, yes, from yes. the person writing and, it. And, and I don't have to know JavaScript.. Yeah. Which is the part. <laughs> um, Would you so uh, quick overrated underrated, would you say shiny, overrated or underrated at this point? Oof,
1: that's actually really hard because it has a lot a of, lot of hype now. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I'd say within the overall like tech community underrated, but within R might be getting towards overrated because there's kind of shiny for everything now. Yeah. <laughs>
0: have you thought about learning like D3?
1: Uh, yeah, definitely. You uh, have you learned it? I haven't. Okay. Uh, it's hard. <laughs> it, it seems, seems kind of hard. <laughs> yeah, um, but I, I really like the the wrappers that R has for D three. I find those super easy to use. Right, right, right. Kind right. of let you write R code um, and get D three as a result.
0: Um, okay, so I have to ask you <laughs> I have to ask you about churn analysis. Mm-hmm. So this happens to be something I love. I don't know why. Um, uh, I guess I can kind of explain myself a little bit, but first, can you explain uh, the project that you did on internal analysis? Was that uh, was that for your current company or was that for Boost? Um, no,
1: that was for a company called Business Science um, that I've been working with to uh, produce tutorials, and uh, specifically with this project, um, they're already the the CEO Matt Dancho of Business Science had already written a blog post using are uh, and specifically tensorflow it, which is a, a interface to Google's machine learning uh, open source library we're
0: going crazy yeah. right now <laughs> okay so so start let's start off so uh-huh. tensorflow yep. tensorflow works in is like it's like deep learning yes what is exactly. deep learning
1: deep learning that's a really good question uh, i would say that's you know, I don't understand enough about it so myself. <laughs> Does anyone really know? Yeah, I don't think yeah. anyone really knows. <laughs> um, <laughs> really complicated. And, and then
0: Google created a platform. Mm-hmm. Pla- platforms maybe a it's an overused word, but mm-hmm. it's a it's a tool for deep learning, which yep. is an algorithm that that basically applies machine learning, so mm-hmm. you can kind of recursively find stuff out. Exactly. So then, cut to you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Good point.
1: Uh, and then, uh, so Matt had written a blog post using that library through our on predicting customer churn. So mm-hmm. the likelihood, so you have a bunch of data um, about your customers. What's the likelihood, given their previous history with you, that they're going to stop using your product? Right. And our studio had a, our studio conf, their big conference every year coming up, and wanted to to wrap this this idea, this model, into a shiny app. So we helped them prototype it. So I... we helped build like a, an app to, to show off the model doing uh, deep learning right. in our studio, then took the final product and then perfected it into the final Shiny app.
0: Any hot takeaways from that? Like just the churn analysis in general? When were, when were people, yeah. uh, I, I like mm-hmm. to use the word attrition. Like, yes, yeah, exactly. Right.
1: Um, I would say, so the data we used was kind of a curated data set from IBM. Um, I would say that in the real world, I found it very hard to get accurate predictions for that. Mm. Um, mainly just because there are so many variables mm-hmm. um, that go into it, and you really have to spend a lot of time cleaning your data.
0: I yeah, we're we only have a limited amount of time. I really want to, I really yeah. just want to <laughs> geek out with you about churn analysis. <laughs> but I have to ask you now. So how did what is this? You're you're doing courses, or how did you um, how did you get into that?
1: So I I met Matt, the the CEO of this company, Business Science, at a previous. Um, or at a R conference called Earl in Boston last year, and um, he told me that they were starting this um, this sort of university online university like of courses um, through his business science platform. Mm-hmm. So helping him work on some of the tutorials for that. Okay,
0: and there's a bunch of uh, like you you actually use that to learn R initially.
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, so I'm a big fan of the kind of the online open like. Uh, courses. So yeah. yeah, I used Coursera to, to learn R, which was great.
0: I think Kaggle has their own version now as well with, oh, that's like, awesome. with like machine learning. I also saw, because Google's trying to launch, well, trying, they've launched Google AI, which I th- I'm assuming has TensorFlow as like a substrate Oh, cool. that's more like, uh, as we were talking before the interview, more like a point and click, drag and drop type yep. of learning yep. stuff <laughs> where we're not kind of already there yet, you mm-hmm. know, if you don't understand how to tune stuff. You can kind of go so far with the parameter tuning. Yeah. Um, where was I even going with that? Oh yeah. So so I think that they they opened up like their own courses as well, very similar to that. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, so you have your own site. It's kind of a blog. I mean, I kind of think it's a it's a blog, yeah, right? Yeah. I, I
1: keep, wish there were more posts. But. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I just I feel like blogging is can be a dirty word with some people. Oh. You know, <laughs> yeah, like it's like um, yeah. it seems minimizing, mm-hmm. even though it's actually not necessarily like. Some of the stuff you've <laughs> written about is incredibly dense. So uh, I have to ask you here, Do you? so do you recommend it, creating your own content, even though you're a pretty much technical person, right?
1: Yeah, for sure. I definitely recommend it. I think it's a great way to kind of explore the things you're interested in, in a, a very no-risk kind of free environment, and also a really good way to show what you, what you know and kind of put yourself out there. And especially when you're working on projects that, you curate from the beginning you can really nerd out about it and get into it super intense and then the final product kind of shows that because you've you've thought about it a lot more than maybe someone else would
0: yeah just to be clear to the audience no (laughs) risk-free you double negative you mean (laughs) you mean (laughs) (laughs) risk-free I'm kidding uh so when like uh how do you get the time? I know that sounds so trite, but right. like, so when do you focus on creating content? What's the process? Do you lock yourself in a room? Mm-hmm. What's, what's, how do you do this?
1: I mean, it takes a really long time. Um, so, yeah, you kind of just got to work on it when, when you're free and when you don't have a lot of other stuff going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, that is one of the tougher parts. Like I said, I wish there were more posts. Uh, <laughs> but I don't have a ton of time. So.
0: Can I get a spoiler for what's coming up next? Do you have any ideas? Um,
1: yeah, there's one thing I'm working on now that would help you figure out which music festival you would go to this year. So I found data on all the music festivals that are going to happen in 2018 around the world and what artists are going to be there. And the, the impetus for this was, I saw the Coachella lineup this year, and I it's really not for me. So I was disappointed, and I was like, well, shoot, which festival should I go to? So this tool I'm thinking of would kind of, I'm not sure what the inputs would be, but maybe you'd say your favorite artist or some songs you like, and it would take that information and then somehow map that to artists at all these festivals and then tell you which one uh, is most similar to your music tastes.
0: I'm getting really excited, I, I love it. I'm glad I met you before, this you're, this is gonna be your new company, I'm convinced.
1: I'm glad I'm saying it, because now I actually have to do it.
0: Yeah, right, well hopefully this won't air for like too soon, you'll have it out by then. Um, I noticed, yeah, so you made Coachella R. Can you explain that project a little yeah, bit? Yeah,
1: so that was a fun project. that I uh, used all of the artists at Coachella last year, and used the Spotify auto characteristics to group them into clusters, so I okay. found like which artists were similar um, on the, the music spectrum?
0: Did you use any like not? Na- na- I'm assuming you used NLP for the for the um, previous music music project, yes. right? Yep. Which is Centify. Uh,
1: so the for the Centify was an app that just kind of shows the the Spotify's audio characteristics for a given artist, so it didn't actually require any NLP
0: for that Okay. Moment. I'm throwing a lot at you right now, sorry. <laughs> no you worries. have a lot of projects. So yeah. separately, <laughs> you have you have Coachella <laughs> R, then you have Centify, which was, <laughs> uh, what was, what was that?
1: So that was an app that, after the Radiohead analysis kind of blew up, there was um, The Economist's 1843 magazine, which does kind of culture stuff, mm-hmm. uh, reached out and wanted to do a post about it. And specifically, they wanted me to map their own chosen set of like ten or twenty songs to see how sad they were. Okay. So as a part of that, I made an app to be able to kind of demonstrate where each of these songs fell on a spectrum of, of happy, sad.
0: I love that. And that was in Shiny. Yes. So that yeah. was built in Shiny. I think that was one of the more impressive things I've seen on Shiny. Oh cool. Thanks. Yeah, not to that was a lot of fun. blow the smoke, but <laughs> that was that was so cool. Um, Coachella, getting back to that. Mm-hmm. I know I'm not super linear right now. Uh, uh, when have you gone? I've gone before. I liked oh, it. Cool. Yeah. What I, what years were you?
1: I've only been, I think it was 2012. Okay. How about you?
0: I can't remember. I think, yes, yeah. yeah, it, it was around the same, it was similar oh, time. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think I went twice. Nice. Um, what was your favorite act?
1: Uh, Radiohead. There yeah, a, yeah. Okay. Other I, went. I should have yeah. anticipated that. <laughs> but there was also, also really enjoyed uh, Flying Lotus. Mode Selector, and a band called Black Angels. I actually saw for the first time there, so that was pretty fun.
0: Do you have time to read in your free time, for pleasure, that is? A little bit, yeah. What are you reading now?
1: Um, I actually do a lot of audiobooks um, for when I bike to work. The one I'm listening to now is called The Dictator's Handbook. Oof. And it's like a, an analysis basically trying to say how the size of the, the people that you need to keep happy to stay in power kind of is Changes how you act, so that's kind of the difference between autocracies who need a very small amount of people versus democracies which need a large amount of
0: people. And you're obviously reading that because you're going to be a dictator someday, is that? That's not why. No, oh, oh, okay, not. Yeah. Uh, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I usually ask uh, best career advice and or worst career advice. Um, I find those <laughs> yeah, answers yeah. pretty interesting. For sure. Yeah, uh,
1: I'll start with best. Uh, I think with best, it would be make sure that you are enjoying what you're doing. Um, you're going to be doing it for a long time. So that's very important. Um, and then kind of along those lines as well, I back to recommending blogging or at least doing some sort of side project to kind of uh, let your interests kind of run wild and kind of discover what you're passionate about.
0: Um, uh, yeah. And the so we're wrapping up here. Two questions. One is, what's your go-to coding background music? Uh,
1: <laughs> I like. There's just one artist I like a lot called Onra O N R A, which is like hip-hop beats. Love it um, without lyrics. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sounds relaxing. Yeah. And then uh, I think we kind of got to. So this was not advice that you were give. You were given. This is advice that you would give. That was your best career <laughs> advice, right?
1: Oh yes. Oh okay.
0: But what you heard? What was your? What was like best career advice you received?
1: It was from my dad, and it was that you you should do kind of I said, do what you want, um, and then the the money will come. So don't chase money, because just make sure that you know you enjoy what you're doing, and then you'll naturally be good at it, um, and then you won't have to worry about things.
0: I like that a lot, yeah. Charlie Thompson, aka Char- sure. R Charlie. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know why I actually shook your hand. I did that. <laughs> thank you for tuning in to the Workforce Show. This interview and others can be found at WERA.FM or at CareerCentralOnline.com. Thank you for listening. Until the next time.